Welcome to the Bards and the Bees. Uh, with me today, I have Trevor. Me first. <laughs> oh, we'll wait. Danny, that's me. Dave, you're muted. Oh, fuck, I was waiting. I saw Dave trying to talk, and I was like, I know. Oh, and I'm we Mason. Were, we were so close. <laughs> we came with a plan and the ability and the will to be organized for once in our freaking lives, and I think we nailed it. In you true to form, we nailed it. What uh, are we talking about today? <laughs> so, today, um, basically, last night we had a regular session of our D&D campaign, and we had some really intense roleplay scenes, and we wanted to just talk about the roleplay scene as an idea. Um, mm-hmm. So to start with, we're going to talk about, like, what... We've talked about what roleplay is and how we do that, you know, earlier in the show. Um, and we're going to talk about a variety of things. I'm not going to list them here because it'll be wrong. I guarantee it. So instead, yeah. I'm just going to get, get us started. <laughs> um, and, and let's talk about, you know... The way I think of a roleplay scene, whether I'm as a player or a GM, um, where we're interacting with people, you know, whether it's for a goal or just because we think it's going to be a really cool moment, is I, I think of it sort of as an abstract entity similar to like a combat where like there, there are things going on there are goals to be achieved right but as opposed to being ruled by the mechanics and the minutiae of the rules and there's still room for that it's really more ruled by the interactions between the characters that are going to drive it in one direction or another mm-hmm. do you guys feel the same way what are your thoughts on kind of that area or, or how do you think of a role play? So when you're thinking specifically i want to use this to really tell the deeper parts of the story First off, I'd like to say no plan survives initial contact. Yes. So, yeah. So that explains our intro? Yes. (laughs) Stole the words from our mouth, yes. Uh, It's a little too apt. (laughs) Second of all, it does actually apply to the roleplay scene. Um, You can prep all you want, which I do. Oh man, I, I overthink stuff so much in the days prior to a session and then the session actually hits and i'm immediately broadsided by whatever and it's it's amazing in my opinion because it forces it forces uh impromptu role-playing which is you know the rost form in my opinion and it allows for players to really uh, build off of each other. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we talked about in our like just episodes generalizing what roleplay is, like some of the scenarios that it makes sense as in context of D anD. Um, I think that. Sorry. I'm... Um, I think for for me, like the idea of a role play scene is a little more nebulous than than combat. We talked about in our previous episodes, like there's not as many rules about role playing, uh, but that kind of makes sense, right? It's more free form. We understand human interaction. We do it almost every day, most of us. So it's it's more of a give and take between uh players and npcs or players and other players so 
it, it comes a bit more naturally, but I still think you can think about it with some mechanics. You can have a goal, you know, is the goal just to have mm-hmm. a funny scene to break the tension? Is the goal to convince somebody to do something? Is the goal uh, to bring up some hard issue that the two characters are dealing with? Um, you can you can think of it like that, like a combat might have a goal. You can think of roleplay scenes as having goals as well. Yeah, I think for me too, um, I definitely think it's nebulous, but I think probably filtering it down to my perspective, I feel like role play is an opportunity for the group to drive the story together. Mm -hmm. I feel like obviously the DM is doing a lot of prep, but we should all be doing prep too. And we talk to the DM behind the curtain, we send texts, but I I feel like that role play is that raw moment where I have my storyline and where I see my character going. David has his and that clashes. And sometimes that clashes into something beautiful where we realize, oh, there's something we didn't realize is right in front of our faces. Or, oh, I didn't realize you felt that way. I didn't realize that was your goal. It's kind of the, um, oh, I had my tongue on the word and then I lost. It's just the equalizer. It's, mm-hmm. That's a it's good where w- all the synergy comes mm-hmm. in. It's a good way to, like, drive. <laughs> Gross. It's a good way to drive <laughs> merging storylines, like, into one. Where it's, yeah. like, and take the best ideas from everybody's idea of how to progress and go, okay, actually that. Yeah. So the question I have, so that's kind of like what we're talking about, right? It's just those moments where the story kind of comes to a head for some amount of time, right? And Mm -hmm. we have a lot of in-character decisions being made, whether they're socially, they could even happen in the middle of a combat, right? Yeah. They could happen. It's just kind of a little microcosm of the game where like there's a very intense thing happening. We want to kind of shine a light on that. Uh, So an area to kind of start talking about that is how do you recognize that's happening? Because it's important for everyone at the table to recognize Right, we talked about this last night after our session. This is where we came up with the idea of doing this episode. Is that, you know, we all kind of all at the same time realized there was a really beautiful moment building between all of our characters. And we each leaned in on that and the way that we could from our characters' perspective, from information they had and, and the actions they could take to really build it into something really cool. And so how do you recognize that? Because that's hard to do, right? We've established it's a nebulous thing. Yeah, I think that you're sit you're sitting around the table, or you're gathered on on Skype or Discord or whatever, and two characters start talking to each other, um, and just like I don't know, in, in our group we tend to like make it obvious. We tend to be like, "Hey, my character is pulling this character aside. Can we have a quick mm-hmm. conversation?" Yeah. And that kind of just sets it up as like oh, these two are doing something. Um, so, like, let's not be obnoxious and interrupt them. Uh, and unless, the, like, sometimes it calls for it. If, like, the scene is dragging and, like, nothing super interesting is happening, uh, then you can interject something or a reminder or say, hey, can we switch focus for a second? Um, and the DM can be tracking that, but other players can do it too if they're conscientious about how they do it. Because it yeah. also feels bad if, like, you know, Danny's character is talking to 
a love interest or something and then somebody else comes in and is like poking at the at the sides of that that feels bad too yeah that's that's that falls back into uh a party i guess observance you know yeah uh, observe and respect yeah respect yeah. you know observe body language observe all that and you also have to as 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 a players as a player we have to realize that uh the other players at the table have stories too and yes. you should, in my personal opinion, players should kind of keep tabs on where the other you know player characters are in their story, uh, because going back to our most recent session, we have you know my characters at a difficult uh, juncture in her storyline, and simultaneously. Mason's character is in a really rough spot in his as well. Um, and I just kind of came to a head and we were able to play off each other uh, just really well, you know. Um, in this particular scenario, Mason took it and kind of initiated, I would say kind of initiated the whole scene. And we built off it from there. Mm -hmm. So, so that's like a good question to ask. Like, who is who can be in charge of initiating scenes, and how does that look different? Because, um, like, from the GMing perspective, it is, um, you know, I am not going to say, "Hey, like, your two characters are at odds. They should probably talk to each other." uh i that feels a little ham-fisted it might yeah. work in some groups um but then it feels like i'm forcing you to do something and people hate to be told what to do so yeah. it's easier if you find a way to get them to have that conversation another way i might have an npc that knows the group talk to one of the parties and go hey i noticed you and Pitt have been kind of tense lately what's going on there and then they can have a quick conversation and that might open up the dialogue for like, hey, maybe they have kind of been fighting. Is that real or is that was that like a joke said earlier or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, it just answers some of those background questions. I want to build off that too, though. And I, I think we've hit this nail on the head a couple times, um, but just reminding everyone like not everything should be left up to the dm like it's not his job to make sure we all get along like we all need to be doing our part and I, just to remind like our story was hitting a point where um we were all like oh we have all this stuff we haven't talked about and we realized it but we were like we don't really have time and we talked together and then we were like hey trev yeah could we have a t some time tonight to reconcile some of that stuff? We need to have a fireside because it's not happening. And yeah. I think the group should be responsible for that too and be looking for that as well. Like to, to put in context what happened last night, just since I think we're going to mention it a couple of times, basically uh, we were already in, in involved in some negotiations and um Previously, Pitt had obtained some backstory information about uh, Dave's character, Starry, and 
uh, effectively, Starry did not have that information. It was, you know, a big kind of twist reveal type deal. And there was just a moment that was dramatic enough tension, right? And it was already involving Starry's backstory. And so it made sense for Pitt to bring it up. And I, I as Mason, knew that Starry did not have that information. So it was going to be a big reveal and a big moment for her. And so I basically was like, I can make this happen whenever. This is a time that it's appropriate because it, there's already a bit of a spotlight on her. Let's strengthen that. And effectively, it's me as a person saying, Dave, this is your moment. Go for it. Right? Without having to, like, leave the game, all of us exit that and kind of leave this engagement where we're in this emotionally charged scene. And I can just sit through the game, through a conversation and a, and a sentence I say as Pitt, Send it to the next level, and also just then I literally backed off. Like yeah. you mentioned, Pitt initiated, but then he didn't do anything with the rest of that scene because it wasn't his scene to have. He just could help set that spark, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, a, a lot of role playing in moments like that where, like, you have a role playing scene where everybody's kind of bouncing off of each other is like, yeah, knowing when to step up and when to back off, you know. If your character doesn't feel really strongly or as strongly as the other characters would, then maybe take a backseat, right? You know, if, if they're talking about their backstory, then let them drive the conversation a little bit. And if they start running out of steam, bring something else up or just say, hey, are, like, is the, are, we, are we done here? You know, that might sound yeah. awkward, but like you can, that's a question you can ask is like, if somebody is like has just been pontificating about something and then they get done with their monologue and npc is like i don't know what else to say and you can just end the scene there like they do that in movies all the time oh yeah you don't have to have like this perfect resolution yeah well i just want to say uh you could even look at um you could even look at the I guess we'll call them side characters, the characters that don't have a particularly strong stake in the current situation. Uh, you could call them wingmen. Mm-hmm. Just just act like a role playing wingman and uh, offer assistance where you can. But you know, even most importantly, it's like if there's a lull, you can be like, you know, here come uh sit with me or or something you you can talk to me or you know just i guess be a friend Mm -hmm. you know be be a shoulder you guys uh instinctually do this a lot um by helping take pressure off somebody else who's trying to role play but they like need a minute to think of the next thing they want to say a lot of times you go one of you goes, hey, what is your character doing? The character that is in the other room. Yeah. Um, and and then that gives, that gives the person, because this is a huge problem, when you're trying to improv a, like, emotional or a funny or, like, the rousing speech role-playing scene, like, it's hard to do that on the spot and do it well. Like, it, it takes practice, and it's just, it's hard. So you are going to get to a spot where you just like, and then I say, uh, yeah, hold on. And then that's a chance for the other characters to go, oh, yeah, so while they're speaking, I'm in the crowd doing this to hype up the crowd. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, give the other characters all a chance to do something 
in the other character's big scene and that makes everybody feel involved but also gives the person who's like trying to make up a speech on the fly a chance to go okay what like actually sounds kind of good because uh, <laughs> i lose my train of thought all the time talking as npcs and and i'll lose my train of spot uh, my train of thought and you guys will see <laughs> me stumble over my words just like that and then either one of you will speak up or I will say, hey, what are you guys doing during this? And, like, <laughs> frantically be like, where am I going? Like, there are times when just I, I get to pat myself on the back because Trevor's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I stumped him. <laughs> I did it. I stumped him. He needs a sec. It's, you know? uh, the funny thing is, like, that that's just a problem I have because, like, I have a, attention problems. And I get hyper-focused <laughs> on things. So, like... There are lots of times when we are playing Dungeons and Dragons, but also like on the first date I went on with my wife, we were just having a good conversation and I was so wrapped up in the conversation that I kept ignoring the fact that I was about to wet myself. Same dude, same. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden like the check came and I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And then I peed for four minutes. <laughs> but I do that all the time in D&D too, where I'm like, I really have to pee. It's okay. We'll get through this scene. And then like 30 minutes later, and then Mason or Danny or David asked me a question that I don't know the answer for. And I'm like, I'm actually going to pee my pants. So I'll be back. <laughs> I, I can't confirm or deny that that has happened on this podcast for me personally, but it may have, <laughs> and it may be happening tonight. <laughs> to I was going to say, sometimes, I we, we should use that in the podcast next time I'm, like, rambling. So, Mason, what are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm just inserting my catheter. It's fine. <laughs> I've, I've got so a two-liter. I'm, I'm curious, then, question for the dms here mason trev um or mason is trevor as you are so called um would you ever in that spot do a die roll also or would that be a different situation because there have been a couple times we're role-playing and i feel like sometimes i'm kind of like uh and then trevor it probably is more mysterious and seems more clever and well played than it actually is but it just seems like you have this master plan you're like you need to roll. I'm like, oh no, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and like, maybe it's not. Like, that is a top tier play to pull out. Like, if you are just running out of runway, you're trying to you're trying to land a scene and make it hit emotionally. An easy way to build up drama is to throw a dice roll in, um, and like you want to make it matter, right? You don't yeah, just want to do it just to distract your players for a second. Because I feel like you're not going to use that as much as the oh hey, what's this character doing? Yeah, yeah. so so what, what I typically do is is if we're doing a scene, I'll, I'll dice roll in the middle of a role play if something of consequence is happening. Like, like if you piss a character off and you are trying to calm them back down, if you if, if you make a very good argument, I'll probably give it to you. If you make kind of a half-hearted argument to calm them down, I'm, I'll probably make you roll for it because that's more interesting and more realistic. Like, yeah. like I might, I might piss somebody off and then say the wrong thing to calm them down. Like that happens mm-hmm. in real life all the time. 
you know, may the wind be at your back type of situation. <laughs> too soon. Too <laughs> um, yeah, dice are an interesting one. I, I, My rule of thumb that I use for any dice is basically dice are there to resolve uncertainty that has a stake. Mm-hmm. Like, it, 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 it truly matters whether this thing happens or not. And we have no way of knowing whether or not it happens just based on the actions that have been taken already. You know, mm. combat's a great example. I swing my axe at him. It's really important for us to know whether it hits or not, and no amount of, like, performance is going to say, ah, I definitely hit him. You know, I need a, an objective, unbiased way of determining that. Yeah, combat would be even longer if everybody was gratuitously Train explaining how cool their axe swings were yeah. to try and get a hit. Listen, yeah. it just doesn't hit me. All right, I'm, too good. I'm invincible. <laughs> you take five damage. No. Like, no. <laughs> in, in, during my short rest, I took those dragon scales that we collected earlier, and I put them into my armor. So now my armor is actually, you know. So Danny, what are you doing over there? <laughs> but um, I'm waiting, buddy. <laughs> so back to the dice rolls, right? Um, it's to handle uncertainty, and in in a the issue with like a really intense social interaction or heavily invested role-playing scene is the second you pull a dice out, that pulls people slightly out of it. Yeah. Right? Yes. And that can be important, but if you do it at the wrong time, it can make the thing fall apart, right? That can mess mm-hmm. up the train of thought. And so typically, like there's going to be maybe two die rolls, and they're going to be at the most climactic, uncertain parts of the scene. Mm-hmm. Whatever is the most important thing to come out of it, that's what you're rolling about. Yeah, this right. is this is you're in front of the judge, and you have been talking and trying to prove your innocence, and you brought up a couple points, and then you finally like pitch your big evidence, and then yeah, then that's a great spot for the dungeon master to, to go. Can you please make a persuasion check or a history check if they are quoting abstract rules from the past? So like ultimately, what's happening there, right, is that that's a time we should take a step back and say effectively recap what has happened in that scene and Mm -hmm. so much like swapping to someone else whether it's ending the scene or pausing it it, it's a point to breathe right whether you're creating with die roll swapping to a different scene or just ending the scene and those are great places to because of the nebulous abstract nature of interaction right with words as opposed to rules that's a place for players and the gm to say here's what has happened or here is what my play my character is at right you can just describe you can move away from in character stuff and say okay we've we're pausing here and my character's angry still yeah. or they've calmed down some right you can just easily describe what is happening there or as the gym you can say you make your die roll the judge is persuaded the jury is persuaded you succeed and then we jump back into the description of like the after party or like yeah. the leaving the courtroom the, right the other way to do that is just like shifting perspective like jumping outside yeah. of the room because like, that's why they do it in movies and tv and in books like you get to the end of the chapter something dramatic is happening and then you're reading from another character's perspective and you go god damn it i want to see what's happening with that character yeah but now i gotta wait because what what that does is it builds up the scene in your mind and then it breaks you out of it mentally like cuz when you're reading when you're watching a scene in a movie when you're role playing one in D&D your brain is like literally transporting you there yeah. if you're immersed and you're not thinking about it 
very logically. You're thinking about it emotionally. And then when that break happens, you go, oh, here are all the potential consequences for that. And then you start connecting dots that you can't mm-hmm. do when you're in the moment. Um, and you definitely need that when you're role-playing and improvising. Like, you need a second to step back and go, okay, how much does this actually matter? Because I was just yelling at somebody. And... Um, <laughs> So what are going to be the ram- what might be the ramifications for that and that can be a chance for you slash your character to go I need to calm down or I'm going to drive this negotiation yeah. way south you know Well and that sounds like a happy medium where it's not as jarring or revealing yeah. as a die roll too Yeah so mm-hmm. there there's lots of ways to to get the same result I I so, wanted to say um, in my opinion die rolls add a level of uh, randomness into what is typically seen as an organically developing conversation uh, or scene. Mm-hmm. And I I personally would say use dice rolls sparingly in roleplay uh, unless there's something that truly calls for it, like, you know, a, a, an NPC reaction or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's really rough to be emotionally invested in a scene, and then you're told, "Oh, you know, make make a make a die roll." You know, you've you've improved some as, math in there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you've improved it as 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 well as you can. But no matter how well you improv. Uh, you still you could still result, get a nat one. Yeah, the result is that you know is on a dice roll, which kind of removes the the I guess satisfaction of role playing mm-hmm. for, for me personally. But what I'll do to disguise that sometimes, and I you guys will have to tell me if you've noticed this, um, but if I am sometimes I just don't know how the NPCs are going to react because I haven't thought deeply enough about them mm-hmm. like if you've run into a new person or maybe you just like surprise me with a conversation i didn't think you were going to have with them i'll just roll a die to see like how favorable their reaction is to the topic at hand and i but i don't announce it i just like roll it and then i glance down and i go okay they rolled an eight so they're not like thrilled with this topic so they're either going to try and change the subject or they're going to fight back about it, right? They, they're going to give some pushback. They're going to say, well, like, but what about this other thing, right? Uh, and that gives me some information because uh, the GM is usually juggling a little bit and maybe yeah. jumping back and forth. So that's a, tr- that's a way you could help yourself with a role play aid uh, without, like, stopping things. Uh, Trevor, uh, could you just real quick go over just mechanically how, how you judge a roll like that? Is lower, worse, higher, better? Does that follow that system? Yeah, I t- so the, the quick and dirty explanation is just I roll a d20 and then I make a, like a DC based on what the party's relationship is if the whole party is talking to them or the individual character's relationship is um 
So, you know, if this is Theo talking to his dad, he's going to have a pretty good chance to get a favorable thing, even if his dad doesn't like the topic. Uh, but if I roll kind of low, then that lets me know that, like, Theo's dad might say, well, listen here, though, like, you got to think of it from both sides. Boy. And, like, <laughs> that, gives me, that gives me some more nuance rather than just, like, agreeing with Danny's character all the time. Because uh, that's not interesting if, no. like, you guys go and talk to every NPC and they're just like, yeah, sure, whatever, you're the boss, yep, great. <laughs> I tell you what, Theo's going to be going to daddy every time if that's the case, because he gets shit done. <laughs> yeah, that, that perfectly brings me to a point I was going to bring up about, like, dice, where they definitely interrupt, and I agree with you, Dave, where they should be sparing, right? But yeah. that interruption can be good. Because it, it creates uncertainty in the path. And, and beyond just that uncertainty, there, there is, like, the game aspect of, you know, if you have a newer player who's not as able mm -hmm. to get into the scene and think on their feet, if you're saying, if I'm able to just roleplay my, you know, social interaction, talk my way through any problem, then I don't need charisma. I don't need persuasion skills, right? I can dump those mechanically. Mm -hmm. And someone who... Even, you know, even someone who's like good at those mechanically has high scores for those. They have less certainty than someone who is skilled at socially interacting. Absolutely, yeah. Which, which I personally find unfair, and I, I don't like that in the games I run. I don't. We don't have it here, right? Because we're all at a fairly even level. But that's just something we're to be all aware gods of. At role play. <laughs> we're, we're amazing. <laughs> but like, that that really only comes into a consideration, like if you have a disparity of players, right? And yeah. I would argue typically just newer campaigns in general, right? You're, you're going to use more dice early on and less later. This That's just part of that game. progression. Yeah, yeah. we like uh, think back to the beginning of our campaign. We mm -hmm. rolled dice for everything. Yes. Yeah. Just because like that's kind of how you sink people in and like get them to understand like these are the kinds of decisions you can help make. And then you can kind of wheel that back uh as as things go on and like take the training wheels off so to speak yeah so uh just just going off what you said earlier trevor about augmenting reactions based on uh relationships to different characters wh what did you do with my character and the elf how, how did you play that reaction uh, so, so to just do a quick explainer of the scene, um, they were having a very tense negotiation. Elves in my world are generally very evil and manipulative. Um, and he basically called the elves like a slur. And the word, but an elvish. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, in my consideration, I had to think about what the elves wanted and how desperate they were for that thing and also the fact that they just watch you beat a hundred opponents in combat um so they're if they're smart they're not just going to immediately drive the conflict up if they're trying to negotiate right uh so that that was like my thinking process but sometimes you don't have time to do that with every character right Sometimes you're just thrown into a scene and you just make a gut reaction. <clears throat> and so you can just say, I'm at a crossroads here role-playing. 
this NPC who I don't know very well. So I'm either going to like fight back and get angry and then it turns into a fight or I'm going to negotiate or I'm going to try to break a joke. You know, you get to, you can make a gut reaction and it's fine. Like it still tells a story. Yeah. Um, an area that I think would be interesting to move into because we've kind of approached it a couple of times is ultimately like, especially the die roll question, right? And the, the decision point of NPCs questions, they, they involve pacing of a scene, right? And that's a tough subject to really explain in words because pacing is all about feeling, right? So how, how would each of you kind of describe your relationship with pacing in a scene, how, how you see it and how you try and help adjust it? Because everyone is a participant in the pacing of a scene, GM or not. So what's, what's your perspective on that? You know, I screw it up every time. Um, <laughs> every time. That's hard. That's hard. It's very tough. Well, it's uh, it's. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's anxiety-inducing, man. I'm not normally an anxious person, but uh, I also never deal with the levels of emotions that, say, my character is dealing with. Um, so it's or really you don't difficult. let yourself deal with them. You make your character deal with them. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> oh, what? No, <laughs> no. Um, it's it's really difficult for me to mentally ramp up to that level of emotion to make it you know even even close to adequately uh, portraying what my character is doing. And I, what I've noticed is that, man, it takes me, it takes me a minute to get there. Uh, and often, you know, I, I've asked the group a few times, I'm like, just, just give me a minute to get up to that point. And, um, you know, they're, they're awesome. So they're, they're giving me a minute or they switch the scene and come back to me. But uh so then how like so that's one of the issues with pacing is like yeah you drop a group into a scene and then it's like lulling for a second as everybody's trying to get their sea legs uh or scene legs uh danny what have you noticed any problems or things that we do well with pacing when we run scenes together um well, I, I kind of felt like that happened last night where Mason's character just straight up switched the flipped the script on me because my character is so used to treating him as the father figure and he was like, hey, we're doing a heavy role play right when they were like, we're going to leave. Yeah, um, we're going to leave David to his heavy role play. We're going to go out. <laughs> and then he was like, no, you're going to do it, too. But I actually I kind of thrive on that. Mm hmm. I kind of thrive with the improv and being forced to think on my feet. And so I've, I actually think that that can be useful too, but it kind of depends on how engaged I am up to that point. Because if that's going to come after a long role play, I wasn't involved in at all. Mm -hmm. And it does take me a second to be like, Oh, I'm sorry guys. I was scrolling through Pinterest. Um, <laughs> shoot. And so I think personally, I've tried to find ways to remedy that with like taking notes when the other person's role playing or something mm -hmm. like that. 
Um, the other thing too, and I want to say this without directly contradicting what we were saying earlier, is I'm a person who kind of thrives on silence too in those moments because I think part of the heavy role play is knowing what silences do need to be there and do yeah. need to be comfortable because that is an organic part of mm-hmm. having a real life discussion. Uh, heavy, like. When I was in college, I took a lot of, like, counseling classes, and pretty much everyone I took always talked about, like, just use silence, because silence gets more out of people than, like, badgering them with questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, like, and that, that helps in a role-playing scene, too, because, one, it gives everybody a chance to, like, catch their breath, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, and, like, think about it actually rather than just react but sometimes if you just if you say something harsh or you say something thoughtful or you say something uplifting and then you just let it hang it gets impact and you either get somebody to react you get somebody to (laughs) you got me yep (laughs) but i think too i I think you need to pay attention to that because there's definitely been times where i've done that though and it's been me thinking shit what would theo do here and then it does like turn into that oh somebody else do this and sometimes it actually pulls me out of the moment too far and Mm -hmm. so i actually i didn't even think about this till we're talking about this i try to be proactive and if it's with a moment where it's like no i actually want to hang on to this scene and not like this is an important acting moment for me i try to be proactive and be like and theo notably seems uncomfortable yeah like, i try to describe what my character is doing he's like uh, wringing his hands or mm-hmm. and he stops looking at pit and is gonna look over off into the distance and a not and say this and, and it lands a lot better and mm-hmm. so i think it's you, just you can roll like you just brought up a good point about describing like other reactions of your character than just saying mm-hmm. what they would say yeah because uh, like you there are so many powerful movie scenes where there's only one or two lines of dialogue and just just by the way the camera pans by the facial expressions that people are making by the different cuts like that's another great way to role play is to like just describe how your character moves through a space and say, you know, it's kind of like this, like he walks through the saloon doors and the camera pans up from the floor showing the boots and then this, and then they got a cocky grin on their face and they just walk straight up to the bar, don't even say anything and slap money down. Like that can be just as thought provoking and just as vivid as filling that entire scene with a bunch of dialogue. There were oh, yeah. th- that was like a lot of what Pitt did in large group things for the f- bulk of the early campaign, right? He he would just be there, say maybe one or two lines when he thought someone was being dumb, and then just he he I would just describe how he sat, right? Um, you took a lot of blood baths. You took a lot of baths. <laughs> By that yes. I mean bathing the blood out of your fuzzy minotaur hide. He yeah. he absolutely ruined this this ends by bathing. Area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh your your description of last night was interesting, Danny, because like about halfway through the session I knew I wanted that scene between mm-hmm. Pitt and Theo to happen. And I I intentionally knew I needed to flip the script on you, where 
decided to flip the script on you because like yeah. ultimately that's what was happening to Theo, right? And so I'd get a more true reaction from that thing. And I don't know if you noticed, but about halfway through the discussion, like Pitt kind of just stopped talking because he didn't know what to say and and let Theo go. Because ultimately, like, he had said his piece and was hoping for something from Theo and so that he, he would just kind of stop talking and start listening, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it, it was really interesting that I I knew I wanted that to happen and I just kind of took a gamble and, and I knew you, you could work with that and make it happen. It was a really cool scene as a result. Mm-hmm. See, that's so interesting to me because from my perspective, you were asking me questions and I was trying to give you answers and then he kept yelling back at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Theo was just like, stay with him. Like, you know, like everyone's been through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And be the patient a, one. Like, yeah. no. And it was an interesting experience for me because I was realizing, like, Oh, this is kind of like real life. Like you, you threw it on me in such a way that it actually did come out really organic, and I was panicking because it felt so real. <laughs> well, it's it's that th- like the, basically the conversation that they had was Pitt is a super confident character that has always made the most concrete decisions in the party, and now that we're back in his homeland doing his backstory shit, he is doubting himself. He's worried. And so when your best friend has that conversation with you where they're like, I just started this new job. I'm so scared. I feel like I'm useless. I'm making all the wrong decisions. Like, you're a pretty shitty friend if you're like, yeah, man, you're probably going to fuck it up pretty big. <laughs> Yikes. So so Theo, your character, did the right thing of like, no, like, that's not the whole picture. That's not how I see you. I know that you can do this mm-hmm. was essentially the whole conversation and it, and it was really powerful uh, and and it's funny how we can elicit those things in this fantasy world where technically uh, scrawny little druid half elf was talking to a gigantic minotaur well you were a goat person at the time I guess because you were in your satyr form <laughs> yeah but you know having this conversation that essentially boils down to the workplace conversation i just subbed in right yeah (laughs) the other thing i want to bring up from that just um as we're talking about kind of pacing and and giving people time to think is i did give danny time to think though because it was when starry's character is having this conversation and it's going to go for a bit and there was a lull there and i'm like as we're walking out pit is going to talk to theo and then we go yeah. back to the other. That way, Danny has time to think and, and realize there's a conversation going. And even if he has kind of checked out a little, he can get back in and get ready without me just completely blindsiding him, right? I, I knew I wanted to do a little bit of a twist, so he needed to be engaged. I, this is obviously not like fully conscious, like I'm a mad genius, right? Mm-hmm. It, it It's going to lead into kind of the next point of how do you get to that spot? And it's through, you know, this is all a very intuitive process. Yeah, right. Uh, great times for this. So we're t- we we've been bouncing around pacing. Um, I, I the audience will never guess what our worst skill about pacing is, and it's that we often struggle to wrap up a role play scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Much like we struggle to wrap up a point in this podcast. Uh, yeah. But I like to think that's part of our charm. <laughs> right. Wink, so. wink. Um, so. It's like we do that sometimes and, and we kind of fizzle out and we go, yeah, we're probably done here. 
And it's like not as impactful as it could been could have been if we just left it at the big moment and switched and just didn't come back, right? Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so that like that's a big pacing thing. But the other thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Mason as a character, as a player, had an idea for a scene and was like, I'm just going to make it happen. If you are a player, the best advice I could give you is think about the other people in your party and think of funny, serious, uh, like meaningful, or just like questions you want to ask the other characters. And you can have a quick scene when everybody's laying down to go to sleep for the night or when you're taking watch with another character like think the the those are like short three minute scenes that you can have where you're like um so you're a pink furball is it because you had an accident or because you ate a lot of strawberries when you were younger like what's the story behind that and that's like a goofy scene prompt for the pink furball to go not like there's you don't you don't know there's pink fur bogs there's like a whole clan of us like are you uncultured swine you like you, you can have a funny scene just between characters uh doing goofy prompts like that also just i guess to top that off um ask yourself is is the scene worth exploring you know you can always be you, you can over role play I guess is what I might call it is you can actually start to become a detriment to the campaign pacing by, uh, I guess over instigating role playing scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they are and, slow, right? Yeah. They're slow. They're, they're plotting and they can really kind of, kind of drag down, uh, I guess, Especially, especially if they they exclude other players, uh, yeah. Because it's you know, say for example, the watch situation. You have a player on watch. They're 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 talking with each and, other. Uh, yeah, and everybody else is asleep, <laughs> so they technically can't do anything. The, yeah, what are they doing? They're just sitting there. And don't get me wrong, they're my prisoners now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit through one of my fellow players. Solo roleplay scenes any day of the week, but that's because I know everything they're roleplaying is important, mm-hmm. uh, at least to their character or the party dynamic. Somehow it's relevant. But if you're just roleplaying for the sake of roleplaying because you love roleplaying, take you know be considerate. What? Yeah. What? Well, take a take a glance around the room or this zoom call and see if people's eyes are glazing over if they're on their phones mm-hmm. if they're doing other and if they are like just a abandoned ship like it sucks like you're not always gonna hit a home run with a role yep. play scene we have plenty of role play scenes that are just like i mean that was okay and then we move on well, and, and that's life and, right? and, it's, like... and it's not the things that we talk about to this day you know it's not the yeah. big memories but like how how many yeah that's a great point danny that's just real life that's well that's what i tell myself every time because even last night like i actually felt like i role played that scene like shit and then i was sitting there <laughs> and i was just telling myself like that's just more accurate then because in real life you're gonna have people that come to you and they're like oh my god what do i do and you're like yeah that sucks i'm sorry i don't know what to tell you <laughs> you yeah. know and i think you need to be okay with 
having some uncomfort and you need to be okay and not be so hard on yourself as a role player because sometimes everyone's gonna be like no that was actually really great and organic and also sometimes that's just life and that's how i get through it is yeah i tell myself this is actually pretty accurate because we're having conversations <laughs> about life yeah you know how i like word vomited for for five minutes and then the conversation just actually ended i guarantee you you've had or been on the receiving end of that conversation a few times in your life mm-hmm. like i'm so excited that for the next time that that conversation topic comes up between theo and Pitt, because it's gonna really be like theo's had time to think about it right mm. it's gonna make that next one so much more powerful because the reason that, the whole reason i wanted that scene to happen and i needed it to happen with theo was specifically because at the end of theo's backstory arc like a bunch of really high level druids had died helping him. And he was like, I feel incredibly selfish. And he had this really heart to heart conversation about like the burdens of leadership and the cost of the choices mm-hmm. you make, you know? And, and suddenly that's flipped. Yeah. I'm, I'm just in short, I'm really excited for the next one. Um, talking about endings and, and like keeping things from dragging on a, a tool. I, love to use yeah, shut up Mason. yeah shut up i know um <laughs> but when you feel that drag and you're like okay can we take it to the next level and go deeper or do we just kind of end it here while it's high right just mm-hmm. literally like we mentioned you can tra- transition from in-game talk to kind of wrapping up just literally just wrap up the, se- the conversation and say okay like if i'm the gm i'm just gonna say okay anything else someone wants to say and it's going to kind of prompt them to move out of the dialogue and be like hey, you know here's a point i wanted to make as we're like having this discussion and then if I call for a roll, I call for a roll. Or it's just like, you know, they're arguing with someone and then they leave. Mm-hmm. They want to get a last jab in. What's your last jab? And it lets them know it's ending. And then we can move on, right? You can do that as a player yeah, as well. It... Sorry. Sorry. Uh, also, I just wanted to tack on to that. I mean, a really easy way to do that is... Well, f- I know what subjects my character is ready to talk about and what subjects she's not willing to talk about just yet and if one of those subjects is broached that she's just not ready to talk about i i would immediately transition to describing the body language of my character Mm -hmm. how she just kind of shuts down and walks off have yourself a storm out man yeah have a dramatic exit like storm off and leave the party and get captured by goblins because you stormed (laughs) off fucking goblins <laughs> and, like that's pretty powerful a big note if someone's doing like... that like if, if i'm storming off I, I think you've even done this before dave where starry does storm off and you say if she's approached she will not start the conversation again right yeah. or 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 you've mm-hmm. also said if someone tries to stop her she will stop that way the players are able to recognize whether the conversation is ended or or, or not because mm-hmm. I've had ones where I, I should have mentioned that. And, and people are like, oh, we're going to go stepping. Like, my character is saying this conversation is over. And she's going to stop talking about it. Yeah. We're having uh, conversations as imaginary people. So it's okay to step outside and say, yeah. hey, this is over. Uh, uh, I, I'm interested to see how you guys uh, think about this idea. Because I've, I've done it in a couple campaigns. And I've seen campaigns that do it. And it's definitely not how we do things. Uh, but I've played in a couple where we literally just had uh, a cutscene skip vote. Like if there's a combat that sucked, if there's a roleplay scene that people thought were boring, 
like people could just like raise their hands and if a majority of the group wanted to move on and it was a combat we would just roll a skill challenge to end the combat and then everybody would like lose some hp and a couple spell slots and then we would just huh. move on and do something else uh, like how does that strike you I kind of like that um, because, and I'll go through this. Sometimes I, I think we are all pretty creative and we all like to be the person with the grand plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I feel like when we bump into it, it's because we're all sitting there arguing over what to do or something. And sometimes I'm kind of like, Man, we've been we here just, for a while. I yeah, kind of wish goblins would something. attack right now. <laughs> you know, in fact, one of my favorite examples of this is um, community and uh, season five or six. They're like role playing, and it's like they're trying to unite their father and son, like IRL, by like having them role play together. And they just fight each other the whole step of the way. They're both trying to kill the same wizard. They finish fighting, and then the DM Abed is like. Well, the guy ran away because you two couldn't figure your shit out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel like the DM should do that more. And I think the reason I like this is I, I kind of feel like that takes pressure off the DM and it kind of lets everyone make that decision. Like, yeah, we kind of just need to move forward and hit the bullet points yeah. of what we're doing. Yeah. Because the, the biggest... there have been so many times I'm kind of like, guys, I just want to move on. Like... That happens all the time where a group is trying to figure out what to do and nobody wants to like make the decision. Yeah. And so sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't want you to feel like the dick to be like, okay, this is too much. Well, sometimes the, the DM can just say, Hey, we're voting on it right now. Are we going this way or that way? And, and just do it. Uh, but also players can do that too. A player as their character can say, let's just take a vote. Let's fucking move. This is stupid, uh, you know, and, but also, yeah, if I, if we are getting together for three or four hours to play a game and I create a combat that just like turns into a slog and isn't super interesting, I like, I'm fine with you guys saying, Hey, can we move on to the next thing? Like, to me, that isn't going to hurt my feelings, but that has to be a very open group dynamic because yeah. it can, it can yeah. also feel pretty shitty to, like, do a bunch of encounter design and then have somebody go, yeah, this blows. But the better way to sell that is to say, hey, I would much rather... Um, I My character is super excited about solving the puzzle in this dungeon... So they're trying, I am trying on my turn to figure out a way how to get to that faster. Yeah. So then you can turn the combat into a skill challenge or you can try to intimidate the monsters to get them to run away and like wrap it up faster than it would have naturally. Or if you're role-playing, be the character who's like, guys, this is ridiculous. We need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, coming. A couple comments on that, I guess, uh, system, Trevor. Uh, first off, I don't think that's ever happened in our campaign for, correct me if I'm wrong, but for one pretty solid reason, it's because we all 
understand that, uh, A, this is a cooperative game. We're all helping to build this narration, this game. And two, uh, all of us have reasons in-game to stay with each other and to help each yeah. other. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's, that's an important aspect here because uh, we also, I also ran into a situation where I'm like, do I, do being truthful to myself, would my character stay with this party? And I had to think on that for a while. Uh, just because of the way I built the character. And um, I found a reason, I found lots of reasons to stay with the party, ultimately, when I just thought about it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. The and, nice thing about characters is like they can change. Yeah, yeah, they, they can change. They can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that system could easily be turned, easily be abused. And easily be turned into something that becomes pretty offensive mm-hmm. to really anybody in the group. Because if two players are having this great role play and the other player is just like, ah, fuck it, I'm bored. And he's like, he, he stops the whole thing and raises his hand and he'd be like, let's, let's go, uh, let's go kill something. Yeah, but it's a group vote. Like the thing is, like the majority of the group. But to be the person to bring it up, because I, I mean, I even said earlier, like I like it. I'm open to it. I never want to be that guy. (laughs) Exactly. Like, and and I would hate for David to feel like that, you know. And I say mm -hmm. that too. Like, I I wouldn't have redone anything we've already done either. Like, I think, and I think that's just a natural emotion for the person, for even the player or character to alike to feel. I don't. What 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 I want to say is is find find a reason. Why are your characters risking life and limb together if there isn't some kind of emotional bond between these characters? And if there is an emotional bond between these characters, why would why would one of you why would one of the group uh, I guess hobble the other characters who are working things out roleplay wise or, or or helping them complete their quest or whatever yeah i think part of it th- th- this is a really valid point for like bigger ones but sometimes it's just like you know in the case of like a bad combat it's it's a little mm-hmm. different there's definitely that extreme end where it's like so much yeah. just like i don't want to deal with your roleplay thing but Oh, there's been times in combats that I've designed where I'm like, yeah, let's wrap this up. This yeah. is, this is, <laughs> I've had that. This well, is a, a turd that I tried to polish and it's getting worse. I just, my two cents on that, my two cents on that, Trevor, is that the DM has the power to make the combat interesting or mm-hmm. to just wrap it up. Yeah. That, that's the beauty of that. And, and it does take a DM to have that kind of uh, ability to self-evaluate but uh ultimately it's within the dam's power to quickly wrap things up yeah. there's there's some like I, I can see examples that i've seen and been in where it's not even like a, a party disagreement it's not like a party ending disagreement it's just a, a literal decision that won't be made so like a, someone just saying or, or, or a social interaction thing that like didn't pan out the way i wanted it to and it's just like really slow and annoying and just being like hey we're gonna hard uh-huh. shift here um Ultimately, I think what we're all kind of describing, whether it's through a formal vote or just 
recognizing and adjusting it is basically a safety valve right of like something went wrong and we need to fix it and mm-hmm. and we have to step out of the game to do that and i think that's important to bring up and i think it'll probably take us into it looking at the time will be our last topic before we start wrapping this up which is how do you learn all this because i think we've hit it multiple times that it's pretty abstract and it's a lot of intuition yeah. right especially with like the pacing and reading the table and reading the scenes and all that stuff it's very intuitive and it's a lot of practice yeah I, i'm just gonna say my two bits and let you guys say what you ha- have about it but ultimately the way to learn these skills is is do them be involved in stories of any kind reading them watching them going to being involved in like movies tvs watching those shows story rich media and then that's not enough you have to be creating it whether it's collaboratively in D, whether it's writing short stories whatever it is to create to get that feeling of what pacing should feel like you have to be doing it and that means mm-hmm. taking risks which is why those kind of safety valves yeah a formal vote is clunky and if someone wants to be dick they will be at that point kick them out of the group right like if you're here mm-hmm. and everybody's there to practice you're gonna have to sometimes have a clunky safety valve so then you can just hard yeah. reset and move on because then yeah, you can take uh, maybe risks. a better way maybe a better way to do that is just to have the conversation afterwards yeah. of like hey like these couple scenes felt felt clunky is that something that we uh like we spent 45 minutes talking to shopkeepers uh do we want to do that was that fun or was that a chore for everybody because if it's a chore let's never do that again if it was fun i will make up a new shopkeeper for every donut shop in every town and you know yeah like i evaluate every single almost every single session that i run i ask how is there's at least one area like how is pacing in this area i'm trying something new i want this to be cool did it feel good or were there issues with it you know sometimes it's just about like passing information in a story rich medium Right. Sometimes it's about a combat encounter. And I've been doing this for years, literal years that I've been doing this. And I'm still asking my players that I've been playing with for years. How is the pacing? Did this area feel good? Trevor still does it. And I do it as a player, too. Super important. Yeah. So it sounds like retrospective group evaluation and creating an environment where everyone's comfortable with talking about it is way more important than taking a vote in the middle of the scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it, yeah, it lets there? you take risks, right? You you learn by taking risks, and so mm-hmm. there's gonna be bad yeah. And, and you brought up the point of like practice, because if you don't do something, you don't ever learn it. And it's hard to, you know, it's hard to watch Critical Role or any of the other million D and D broadcasts out there, and then ours is the best. <laughs> and then <laughs> then go to then go hang out with your friends. And be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this impassioned speech, and you literally choke three sentences in <laughs> because you just you haven't done it. Like, I I've done I've started so many hobbies and then get frustrated because I suck at them. When the reality is like, no, like everybody sucks at everything when they start it. You just gotta try. You're gonna suck. Mm-hmm. Be okay with it, and the embrace embrace the suck and just play it. A, socially just awkward character it. yeah just also to match your prowess <laughs> also recognize that the, the the stakes and the amount of engagement is going to change based on the length of the campaign right just like we talked about die rolls become a little bit less important later on because we've all kind of felt out where we're comfortable with it uh-huh. you're you're going to have more of that stuff later into a campaign so 
practice and be patient. Like, it, it's really uh, sucky to look at these yeah, awesome Dan, stories. Danny, I wanted to, to ask you because you were the, the newer person to the group. <clears throat> and, like, we talked in your your intro episode about, like, how I, I kind of threw you in the deep end at the beginning and, like, you know, would ask you some tough roleplay prompts. And I could see the deer in the headlights. Uh, but you always, like, stepped up and gave it a whirl, uh, which was yeah. impressive to me. Mm-hmm. How do you think that that has changed as our campaign has gone along for you? Um, I mean, I, I think, as, I mean, going along with that theme of practice, I think it's getting comfortable as a group. Because I, I think helped, if you're yeah. in session one and you're trying to hit a hot and heavy roleplay sesh, I think that's a little inappropriate. Like, I think yeah. some things can come up, but I, I think if it's, you know, you're coming to a heading with the group, like, I think you need time to practice with yourself, but also to practice with each other. Yeah. And, and getting a feel for each other. And so I think that's how that's changed. And then beyond that, I just say, I think I actually get a lot of stuff from personal experience. I think if it's your first time playing, don't pick a character that's hard for you to role play like i I try to pick a character who would make similar decisions i would and just spice things up a little differently i i've taken public speaking classes i used to be a missionary for a church like i've gotten in front of people and been pretty uncomfortable and so like my character is okay with doing that Mm -hmm. um and so I guess maybe that's a note if anyone wants extracurriculars, take a public speaking class. Or I guess d and is an extracurricular, so it would be an extracurricular. Extra <laughs> yeah. Would it just be a regular Or performance. At that point. Or, yeah, maybe just a curricular. Um, <laughs> but I think if somebody really wants to hone down on it, but like, don't overthink it. Let yourself be yourself. I think the best role plays are when it's just like, uh, you know what, I'm not going to think about this. Like, I'm just going to be me. And uh, also, just a reminder: uh, this is this is all about fun. Yeah. If you're not yes. having fun, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> or find a way to have fun. Also, our party safe word is "gilly." <laughs> <laughs> it's never been used since she splattered. It should have. I didn't even know that. That's why she died. <laughs> <laughs> she was never used. <laughs> um, Too soon. It's only the safe word because it gets me to laugh so hard I piss myself. <laughs> yeah. It really breaks the tension. Yeah. You guys remember Gilly? <laughs> tension in my head and in my pants, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so for DMs, it's looking at potential scenes and giving some prompts and like watching pacing. That's probably the biggest thing you can do for a scene as a DM look at those control valves and say, you know, is, is this scene doing well? Is everybody paying attention? Um, and making perspective shifts to keep the tension going. You know, if you're having one character have a really intense emotional conversation, wait for like a hard question to be asked like how long have you known about this and then you go hold on real quick we're going to switch to the other group and Mm -hmm. the other group is doing something 
usually asinine. You know, they're ta- they're keeping watch outside and like having a bickering argument, and that lessens the tension for a second. And then you go, anyway, they just asked you this question. How do you respond? And you jump back in, and that like keeps the pacing going. That, that's a super then, important skill to learn. Is that the pacing yeah. needs to even in a tense scene that should be tense. There's gonna be those. You need to release the pressure for a little bit, even if you don't leave the scene. Just release the yeah. pressure a little bit, right? Because just pan over to the corner with the barmaid that accidentally got stuck in the room serving drinks. Yeah, find so- oh, she's pretty. Find Anyways. some way to just give them a second to breathe, and th- that's. I-, I said use TV and movies, but there are a lot of TV shows that really make that mistake terribly, where they they, they just instead they they feel something needs to change. If you feel something needs to change in the scene, back off rather than ramp up. It, just uh-huh. as a rule of thumb. Because so many, like, intense, like, cop shows or... There was one... It was about, like, a chick who had her full-body tattoos and she shows up, like, naked in the middle of a street somewhere. Was that Star Wars? No. Um, I don't remember what it's called, <laughs> but it, it's, like, some modern-day thriller thing. And I just watched an episode and literally, like... Every 30 seconds, they ramped up the tension another notch to try and, like, just show how important the scene is instead of just, like, backing off and giving a hair of silence. Like, horror uh-huh. movies are really good at that, right? Where the first, like, hour, you're waiting for that shoe to drop, right? And then once it yeah. does, they back off again. And they hit you again, and then they back off. Because then it gives you time to build tension inside yourself instead of the scene having to hold that weight. Yeah. So what can... uh so then what are some things we talked about that like players can do to help invest in a scene, set up a scene? The players can take notes on each other's backstories, man. Uh, they just, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a sign of respect to, to know and uh, remember what the other characters are, are going through in the game itself, even what NPCs are going through. And uh, that's a, an immersion tool, not only an immersion tool for me, but it really gets me... Um, man, it just... It's fun keeping, keeping track of people's stories. And there are times... Where, you know, we'll be walking a long distance or something, and I can just, it's, it, they're, they're part of my toolkit. I can just walk up to, you know, if, if there's a lull in the campaign um, that was unforeseen or is just there, you can just bring up one of these things to the characters and then boom, right, right there. You got uh, characters interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. And those are great things to pull up when like the dm is drawing a map or switching like, things over or like trying to look up a rule you can literally just say hey this character is going to say this like make it a less serious thing but like it can be something that builds rapport so uh re- seems like we're reaching about the end of the episode so let's go ahead and roll initiative for a wrap-up so we can have a slightly better ending than we've ever had before, hopefully. Well, we'll see. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the way this is work while people are going to work is while people are rolling is the person who wins initiative is going to get 30 seconds to talk about the most important things, the most important takeaways from the episode. Then after that, each person in order of an, like initiative in a combat is going to get six seconds, one combat round, to add anything they want to add to it. And then when the last person goes... 
which is going to be me, by the way, uh, it ends. The music rolls <laughs> in the end of the episode. Because guess who got a nat one again? <laughs> nice. Ooh. I got a seven. Eight. I, I got a 16. So. Okay. Alrighty. So... Uh, suck my conclusory dick. Oh. <laughs> That's a good line, dude. Oh. That's a really good line. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> okay, we're gonna start you in three, two, one. All right. So the takeaway for the DM is look for those situations to create for your players to engage, uh, as well as looking for those times to relieve pressure, have a safety valve. For players, you're going to want to support and respect each other. Make sure that you are taking notes and you look to involve and engage with other players. And then for the group, make sure you create a safe environment to reevaluate everything when you're done. Perfect. David, anything to add? Uh, figure out what uh, what your character's hard points are as far as roleplay. Six seconds done. Uh, I, the only thing I have to add is look out for what other people are trying to tell you. Mason. This is a skill. Take your time to learn it. And this is the kind of skill you learn by doing and by watching other people do. Boom. <laughs>